0: is on giving, living a life of giving. And I'm going to tell you right now that the greatest joy in life comes from giving. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why you're happy and joyful. And you would have discovered that if you had attended our doctrines class. And we learned in our doctrines class that we've been created in the image of God. And when we are most like God, that is when we are happiest and most content. And so this morning, I want to tell, tell you um, what the Bible says about giving. And I want to share with you some principles that I think will be life-changing for you and I hope will affect your marriage, your family, your job, and most importantly, it will affect your heart and your mind. And this morning, if you are here and you uh, are... Are not too sure about giving. I don't want you to close your brain down because the temptation is, oh, he's talking about giving again. That's all they talk about in church. Well, here's what you got to know if you come to church: is you got to know that we worship a God who is, in fact, a giver. And this morning, um, we recognize that in the Bible, God demonstrates His love to us through giving. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he, he gave. So this is how God describes himself. He describes himself as a giver. And we look at the person of Jesus Christ, and what does he do? He gives his life for us. So the essence of Christianity, the essence of the Christian faith, is that it's all about giving. It's all about sharing. And that the contentment and the happiness that God promises us comes when we do things his way. And what does God do? Well, God is, in fact, a giver. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, the greatest enemy to living this life of giving, this giving lifestyle, is, in fact, what I would call dumb debt. D-U-M-B, debt. Dumb debt as opposed to smart debt, which would be a mortgage, now there's some, uh, some financial experts that would say the only debt you should ever have should be in the form of a mortgage. Everything else is dumb debt. Some would even suggest that you shouldn't even borrow money to buy a car. Now, um, I haven't got to that place yet where I can save up $30,000 to buy a car yet. Um, but I will say this, that the more that we get into the habit of saving, in order to buy, the happier we're going to be. And I'll demonstrate that to you in just a moment. Um, a few years ago, there was a, a fellow that uh, attended our church, and I don't think there's anybody here that would even know him because it was so many years ago. But he was one of those guys that was constantly struggling with, with wanting stuff and, and then finding a way to get it. And so he was in a position where he needed a vehicle. And, and it couldn't be just any vehicle. It had to be a vehicle that had all the bells and the whistles. It had to be a van. It couldn't be a car. It had to have electric windows. It had to have, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, this guy who didn't have a job. who had a limited income. He went looking for a vehicle. And I said, don't you think you should just take the little bit of money that you have and buy something according to your, to your means? No, no, I'm a king's kid. I'm a child of the king, child of God, and and God wants me to have the best. Has anybody ever heard that before? Okay, and has anybody tried that? Anybody gotten into trouble because of that? Well, this was his thinking. This was his theology. Now, can I just tell you this? That your belief system, the things that you understand from the scripture, it influences you and how you live your life and the decisions you make. Now, because he thinks he's a king's kid, he is therefore entitled to the very best, He, he tried to borrow some money to buy a vehicle. And when he went to the bank, the bank said, you don't qualify. You don't make enough money to buy the vehicle you have, besides of which you have too much debt. No, so I said to him, did you tell the banker that you're a king's kid? <laughs> no. Well, there's a reason for that, because the banker would laugh at you. So this, uh, this fellow, he found a place where he could actually get money to buy the vehicle that he wanted. Um, I'm not going to name the institution, um, because I think there might be someone in our church that works for that institution, so I'm not going to say so be very careful now what comes out of my mouth so I don't get into trouble. He went to the institution, and he borrowed, uh, he borrowed the money for the vehicle at 27%. Wow. Well, you all know what that means, don't you? <laughs> at 27%, amortized over 10 years. Now, this is an old vehicle. I said, he said, well, the mileage is low, Pastor. I don't care how low it is. The vehicle's already six years old. And so sure enough, after just three years, the vehicle gave up. Couldn't, couldn't go another, another mile. Couldn't go another foot. And so now he's stuck with this massive debt at 27%, and he's got no vehicle, and he needs another vehicle. The king's kid needs another vehicle. And you can see now, this cycle of, of debt and consequently of poverty because you think about this for a moment if he's paying 30 percent close to 30 percent interest on every dollar that means that for every every dollar that he's paying he's got to earn an extra thirty dollars to pay that dollar And if you're making fifteen dollars an hour that means you're working for two hours just to pay the banker so is is anybody willing to do that You could see now what a disaster, what a catastrophe debt is. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, I do not sit here on my perch as someone who's never made a mistake when it comes to finances. I speak to you as a real authority. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I'm not speaking to you like from theory. I'm talking to you from experience now. Debt's a killer. Debt destroys your life. I was listening to a, a fellow that was addressing a, a gathering of pastors. Uh, so pretend you're all pastors now. And this guy got up to, to talk to the pastors because the, 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 the session was how you can best bless your church so that your church can be a blessing and give generously to world missions and to reach the poor and the needy and, and further the kingdom of God. So this guy stands up and everybody thinks that he's going to give brand new ideas that will help the pastors get money out of their people. Okay, it's kind of disgusting to put it that way, right? But I'll tell you, I'm gonna tell you this, and you heard me say this a few weeks ago, there's some pastors that just see it that way. I'm sorry to say that. They think the people that sit in the pews, it's like there's money in them there, hills. They're gonna fleece the sheep so that they can, they can do what they gotta do. I want you to know right now, I don't need your money, God doesn't need your money. And what I'm sharing with you today is not for my sake. What I'm sharing with you today is for your sake. So this guy stands up and addresses the pastors, and he says this. He says, you know, you could talk about tithing. You could talk about giving. You can talk about giving offerings. You can talk about the benefits of giving. You can even bribe people and tell them that if they'll give, God will bless them. And they'll get back a hundred times whatever they give. You tell them that kind of stuff, and they're like, yeah, yeah. Some people are like, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's my chance. It's like the, the, it's like the, the divine lottery. Put the money in the plate and hope, hope I get a windfall when I leave the building. He said, what you really need to teach your people is how to be debt-free. Because the thing that is, has hampered the, the, the furtherance of the kingdom it's not that people don't want to give. It's that the people are so indebted they can't give. They have nothing to give. And when you can't give, you can't be like God. And when you can't be like God, you can't be content or you can't find happiness. And so this morning what I want to share with you are some principles to help you understand what the Bible says about debt. And then I'm going to give you some principles that will help you get out of debt. That, things that you can do immediately as soon as you leave the building today. Because I believe that God wants you to experience the joy of giving and of sharing. I got a text last night after the Christmas play. Uh, I think it was last night or the night before. But this, uh, uh, these folks were um, at the Christmas play on Friday night, and after the play, he sends me this text. And I don't get very texts from Dave. Texts, texts from Dave. How do you say it? Texts from Dave. But Dave sent me this text, and here's what it said. He said, in the parking lot, oh, first of all, he said, hi, awesome play last night. In the parking lot, there was a young couple whose clutch pedal was stuck. And with a bit of light from an iPhone, the wrong kind of tool, and some muscles I haven't used since high school, I was able to crawl up under the dashboard and hook up the cable, which had disconnected. He says, I sent them on their way and said, that's what we do at Cross Church. I was very proud to be able to say that. I drove away in my glory. I thought that was good. He understands what we're about. We're about giving. And then he says, a block later, I realized I left my good jacket in their car. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I turned around and retrieved it. And it was then, after he ins- th- this fellow insisted again that I take some money, that I reluctantly took some money. Now I'd like to forward this parking lot story that unfolded after the play and the 20 bucks that he gave to, you, uh, gave to me to, to you to share. Have a great day, Super Dave. Isn't that cool? I thought, man, that is really who we are. If you want to know what Cross Church is about, we're about giving. We're about sharing. We're about helping. We're about making a difference in people's lives. And this morning as he walked in, he handed me the the four fives, which I ran to the giving center and put in the giving center. So here he is, he's sharing with somebody, somebody shared with him, and now he's giving it back to God. And, uh, you know, Gloria and I have talked for years about the money that goes around. Someone gives it to somebody, they give it to somebody else, who gives it to somebody else, and it makes its way around. What's happening here is that we understand the principle of giving, the principle of sharing, and we understand the joy that comes with it. Now, the only way that we're going to be able to live this life of giving and of sharing is if we understand what God thinks of debt, and if we understand how to get out of debt, and if we understand what it means to live by faith. So there's two, there's two reasons why we get into debt. The first reason is because, and I don't mean to insult anybody here, because I'm, I'm guessing that probably the majority here today are in debt in some way, but the main reason is because we're greedy, nobody 's looking at their neighbor it 's true isn 't it? We buy things we really don 't need, or, as my brother in law Bill would say, we go to the dollar, to the dollar store, which is actually the landfill store. We buy stuff we don 't need, and it ends up in the garbage can. I love that so next time you go to the dollar store, think of it for what it really is it 's the landfill store. We buy stuff that we really don 't need. Why Because we think it somehow that will satisfy a longing in our heart. It'll somehow satisfy us and make us content. But I've got to tell you today that the only way that you will ever know happiness and contentment in your life is when you are most like God. And the Bible says that God is a giver. In fact, Jesus himself said that it's more blessed to than to receive. Now, every one of us enjoys receiving. And when you're a child, you think that that's what life's about. It's bring it on. We, when we were kids, we were taught at Christmas time and at our birthday to make a list of all the things we want. And then somehow we think that when we grow up, we keep doing that. <laughs> make a list of what we want. here, God. So God is some sort of a cosmic Santa Claus that's just going to keep dropping stuff on you. Listen to me. At some point, people, we have to grow up. At some point, we've got to mature, and we've got to understand what true joy is all about. And it's not in receiving. It's in giving. It's in sharing. You need to do this for the sake of your own soul. Now, greed is the one problem. The other problem is simply, ready for this? It's simply a lack of faith. You just don't trust God. you got a need, and you think to yourself, Let's see, I got a credit card, or I've got mom and dad that I can borrow from. Or, I can get on my knees and pray and ask God to provide and meet my needs. See, if you, if you have a trust in God, what you're going to do is you're not going to so quickly use that credit card. What you're going to do is you're going to turn your eyes heavenward and you're going to say, Heavenly Father, would you please help me? Would you help me and meet my need? Now, here's the neat thing that happens. It's that in that moment when you turn to God and say, God, please help me and meet my need, it's at, listen, it's at that moment that you discover whether or not what it is you're praying for is in fact a need or a greed. And so many of us, when we make our expenditures, we don't even stop to consider whether or not we're spending it on a need or if we're spending it on greed. And so this morning... I want us to th- stop and con- to consider how it is that we're spending our money. Because what you need to know, if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is that you are, in fact, a steward of what God has entrusted to you. And I'm not talking just about the money in your pocket, I'm talking about everything that's in your possession your home, your car, your kids. The gifts that you have, the abilities that you have. Before the service, I was talking to a couple about, they had said last day they were interested in helping any way that needed to be helped. So I said, like, let's talk. Let's start putting into use the gifts that God has given you. When I talk about gifts, I'm talking about skills and talents and natural abilities. All these things, people, God has entrusted to you so that you can use it for his glory and honor. And that, my friends, is where you get your sense of joy and fulfillment. But when we don't have faith, when we don't trust God to meet our needs, what we start doing is we start using our credit card, and we go into dumb debt. So greed and a lack of faith in God is what causes dumb debt. Rick Warren, some of you may have heard of him. He's oftentimes featured on Piers Morgan and, and Larry King Live when Larry was on, the, on the, in CNN. He wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. He's a pastor. And it it just hit, he just knocked it out of the park and made record sales. In fact, he quickly became a millionaire. Now, he said, this is a real challenge for me. He says, because my heart is greedy. I love an honest pastor. Don't you love an honest pastor? That's why when I started, I told you that I'm speaking from experience when I talk about that. He says, I don't trust my heart. My heart, by nature, is greedy. And he says, the only way that I can kill the greed in my heart, the only way that I can combat this greed is by giving. And so you know what he did? After he made, I mean, he made millions off this book, he sat down and he calculated how much money the church had paid him over the years, or, I don't know, some 20 years. He figured it all out. And then he wrote a check and he gave it back to the church. He said, all the money I've ever earned, I'm giving back to the church now. And then he says he he started a practice called reverse tithing. Now, for anybody who doesn't know what a tithe means, it simply means giving a tenth. He does reverse tithing, which means what he does is he lives on the tenth and gives gives back 90% to the work of God. Isn't that cool? Now, don't you believe that the reason God prospered him and made it possible for him to make that living is because God knew that he could trust Rick Warren with those funds. I'd love to hear uh, Dennis's testimony this morning. That's why God has blessed Dennis's business. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pump him up because he's not the only one. There's many people here today who have learned the principle of giving and learned how to depend on God. Now listen to this. If you want to continue to know God's blessing in your life and you want to be able to be generous, then you need to learn, first of all, what God thinks of debt. And I want you to know that God's Word tells us that debt is, in fact, a killer. I'm going to tell you that it puts a stop to the generous lifestyle. You cannot be generous and be heavily in debt. You can't do it. It affects your family. It affects your marriage. I can't tell you the numbers of couples that I know over the years who have split up because of financial problems, because of the debt. It, 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 just, it, it causes a split. He's jealous of the money she's spending. She's jealous of the money he's spending. How many know that women spend more money than men? You think? Are you crazy? I'm not answering that question, Pastor. That was my wife sitting beside me. Okay, here's the thing: women. I don't know. Should I go down this road? Am I stupid? Uh, (laughs) Okay, let's get try to get control here again this morning. So, okay, so here's the thing: this is what they said. They say women will spend more money. Uh, on little things, but men actually spend more money on big things. And the women said, yeah. Yeah, guys, I never spend money. I only, I only buy a few things. A motorboat. <laughs> Skidoo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ski jet. Not much. I only buy one thing a year. Yeah. Okay, listen. What you and I need to do is we need to learn... That dumb debt will kill your marriage. It will kill your family. It will kill any any sort of romance in your marriage. I'm talking now as a pastor who has counseled many, many, many people. Just tell them it's for me. <laughs> Say hi for me. Um, let's move on here. Uh, let's look at the scripture verse. Deuteronomy 15.1. Don't you hate it when that happens? It's so embarrassing. Uh, look at this verse here. Uh, <laughs> Let's read this together. At the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. Who's in favor of this? Yahoo! <laughs> okay, listen. This was, is this was God's idea. Now, there's, there's, I don't think there's any real historical evidence that the children of Israel, the Jewish uh, uh, people, ever kept this law. But God understood that, that debt kills relationships. And so God institutes this, this special law that says, at the end of every seven years, everybody's debt is canceled. And everyone said, hallelujah. <laughs> okay. Now, here's the thing. If you couldn't pay your debt... By law, you would have to become a slave to the one that lent you the money. And God says this. He does not want his people to be slaves. Why? Because God owns his people. Do you hear that? God owns his people. He doesn't want you to be in anyone else's ownership. In other words, God wants you to serve him, and he doesn't want you to be in a position where you were a slave to anybody or anything. And yet, you want to know something? In the year 2012, the majority of North Americans, the majority of those who live in the West, are in slavery to the lenders. This is why we're seeing massive problems in the financial world in Europe and in America. Has anybody heard about the fiscal cliff? Is anybody sick of hearing about the fiscal cliff? You can't turn on the news without hearing about the fiscal cliff. What's the problem? We are a people who become so greedy that we're willing to go into debt and pay exorbitant interest rates as much as 27, 30, I think 30 is the maximum, 30 percent, all because of greed. And it's destroying families, it's destroying marriages. Now, The people went into slavery in biblical times because of debt, and it wasn't that many years ago in England that people were thrown into what they called debtor's prison for the same reason. And you could never get out of debt, or you'd never get out of the debtor's prison until you'd actually paid off your debt. Dickens writes a number of novels where the debtor's prison is featured prominently in those novels. People's lives destroyed because of debt. And God knows that this is what destroys and steals the life from you. Now, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the thief comes to what? To rob and kill and destroy. Now, here's what you have to understand. If you want to have the abundant life, that does not mean that you're going to be like my friend who says, I'm a king's kid, so I should have whatever I want. In promising us the abundant life, The joyful life, the life that satisfies and brings contentment. It doesn't mean that God's going to meet your greed's, but it says He will, in fact, meet our needs. You start doing things God's way, then your life is absolutely revolutionized, is absolutely changed. Did you know that God prohibited the practice of charging interest for any loans? And it's our Mennonite friends in southern Manitoba that, that many of them still will not charge interest and will not receive interest for their money. Has anybody ever heard of Steinbach Credit Union? Anybody? Yes. Do you know that this is a credit union that has well over a billion dollars in assets? And here's why. Because all these Mennonites who do not believe in, in charging interest or receiving interest have put their money in the bank and the bank the Steinbeck Credit Union, in turn now, lends that money out at an interest rate. And for that, in that way, the Steinbeck Credit Union has become extremely wealthy. Now listen, if you're paying interest on, on debt, what's happening, happening now is that the money that God has entrusted to you, you are now giving it to somebody else. And you can see now why God's against debt. Because it destroys your life. Because now those resources that God has entrusted to you are going towards another cause, which is not the cause of God. So here's what the Bible says in Romans 13, verse 8. Let's look at that. Want to read that with me? Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. And let's read the next verse. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Literally, we are slaves to those who lend money. So I'm going to tell you right now, next time you go to spend money, keep in mind that God's not in favor of that. He's not in favor of that kind of debt. Now, the question then this morning for many of us is well, how do I get out of debt? Let me just uh, bring to your attention a few facts. Financial experts consider a debt burden of more than 30% a yellow flag, meaning that there's cause for serious concern. So if 30% of your income is going towards servicing your debt, then you're in trouble. So, if your household income for instance, is forty percent thirty percent of that is twelve thousand dollars towards mortgage and loan payments you 're in trouble because because when you start considering that you 're spending twenty five percent on taxes and you 're spending another fifteen percent on hopefully putting money aside for for your retirement and you're and you're uh, giving maybe 40% or 30% towards your debt. Now, you're just left with 20 or 30% of your income. You've got almost nothing to live on. So what do you do? You enter into what is called the debt cycle. So you borrow money so that you can meet your needs, and you don't have enough money to meet your needs, so you borrow more, and it goes round and round, and your debt increases. And then you consolidate your debt. You say, oh, good, now look how rich I am. I've consolidated my debt, and I can spend more again. And next thing you know, you're in debt again, up to your eyeballs. And you go to the bank and you say, I don't know how that happened. And so the bank gives you more more money. And it goes on and on and your debt load increases. Now I'm going to tell you, the temptation in our generation is to declare bankruptcy. But I want you to know that bankruptcy for a Christian is not acceptable. This is not an option. This is not honoring your commitments. it's is a lack of good character. And so what you need to consider today is that debt is not a good thing. Does everybody understand that today? Have you considered your debt load? Have you considered where you're at financially? They say that 40% of your gross income is given towards servicing your debt, and you are in serious financial distress. I just heard recently, um, just a couple weeks ago, that the average consumer debt in Canada per household is at $26,700. And if you were gonna service that kind of debt comfortably, your household income would have to be at least $150,000 a year. There's not many people that have got that. And yet the average household income is trying to service that kind of debt. People, this nation is in big trouble. We're in serious trouble. And it's because we haven't stopped to consider the way that we live and the way that we spend the resources that God has entrusted to us. And so this, here's what I want to do for 2013. For 2013, I want to help our congregation get out of debt. All in favor, say aye. aye. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. It's not just because I want you to be able to give more money to the church. That's not it. What I want is I want to have happy marriages, happy families... And I want to see your standard of living rise. Because the fact of the matter is, is that for many of us, every day is a burden as we think about, do we have enough money to pay the bills? And even now, some of you are sitting here and your heart, Pastor, I was hoping you wouldn't remind me of this. Now you've reminded me and I can't now concentrate on the sermon because you've been thinking about your debts and the bills you've got to pay. And even some of you now, you've got debts that are like 90 days overdue and 120 days and some of you haven't paid and you're in trouble and you know you're in trouble. I want you to know today that God loves you. And i got to tell you, this is the first time I've ever talked about debt. I've never preached on this before, but I can tell you this today. God has heard your prayer. And you've been praying, you've been crying out to God, and you're saying, God, help me, I'm in trouble financially. I want you to know today that God loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to help you out of, your, out of the black hole you're in right now. And I want to tell you how. I want to share with you some simple steps these steps—I'm not a financial expert. Uh, I only know what the Bible says on the subject. But there's a fellow by the name of Dave, David Ramsey. I would recommend that if you uh, if you are struggling financially, go to the site called David Ramsey. He's a Christian financial expert, and he talks about the six steps to getting out of debt. Um, he calls it the debt reduction snowball plan, and I'll, I'll talk, tell you about that in just a moment. But let me just say this. When I applied to go to Bible school, one of the questions on the application was this. Are you in debt? And if so, how much do you owe? And I discovered that if a person was in debt, they couldn't get into Bible college. You were not even allowed to attend Bible school. And here's why. Because their reasoning was is that if you can't control your finances, how on earth could you ever be a pastor? How on earth could you ever direct the household of God? When I went to the mission field as a missionary, the question on the application is, are you in debt? And if so, how much? And if we were in debt, you can't go. You can't be in a position where you are a missionary if you are heavily in debt. And you know why that is? It's because now you're distracted by the things of this world and you can't concentrate on the work that God has for you. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you in debt and how much? And I'm sure that there are many here today who don't even know how indebted they are. They really don't know what their financial picture is. Listen to me. If you understand today that you are a steward of the resources that God has given to you, you need to find out, and you need to find that out right away. And if you're here this morning, and you've got financial debt, and you say, Pastor, I don't even know who to turn to. I'm in trouble, and I don't even know who to turn to. Well, I've got some good news for you. There are some people in our church, very discreet 100% trustworthy who have indicated that they would be interested in helping those who are struggling with their finances and want to get out of debt and get on the right on the right footing. So I'm going to say this to you if you if you're struggling email me and I'll make sure that you get connected with a person who can counsel you and help you get yourself in order. I can tell you that with the moment that you do that it'll be a turning point in your life. You'll find your joy return, you get a smile back on your face. Your wife will fall in love with you again, and you will get your amour back amore <laughs> guys for some of you it 's been a long time since you 've enjoyed your your marriage if you know what i 'm talking about we 've got kids in the house so i can 't be too explicit, but you know what i 'm talking about. you say pastor you 're going overboard here no i 'm not because listen to me. If you understand Christianity, you'll understand this. It's about healthy, strong, and loving relationships. And the thing that's destroying your relationship with the people in your home and with your, and with your God is that you are so caught up with the consequences of the debt that you've accumulated. And God wants to help you by setting you free. 2013 is going to be a year of getting out of debt. And you're going to hear a lot about it because I want to see a healthy, vibrant congregation whose personal lives are in order, who are able to do the things that God wants them to do. That's what we're here for. And if you're here today and you're in debt and you're in trouble, look at me. Listen, listen, there's no condemnation here. No condemnation, there's no judgment. You've come to the right place. It's a place where you're going to get help. You're going to get the help you need because God loves you. And God's heard your prayer. You've been crying out to God and and, and you just said, God, I'm in trouble, help. And now God's answering that prayer this morning with this message. Okay, you say, Pastor, now tell me the six steps. I've been waiting for the six steps. Okay, you ready for this? Here are the six steps to getting out of debt. Number one, and you may not be willing to do this, but you need to. Get rid of all your credit cards. Hello? Hello? You need to do some plastic surgery. (laughs) Get out a good pair of scissors and cut up your plastic. Some of you say, Pastor, I've got a better plan. I put my credit card in the freezer in a bowl of ice, and that way it's hard to get at it. I saw a movie not that long ago where that was, you know, that's what a girl was trying to do so she wouldn't spend money on clothes and shoes. I can't remember the name of the movie, but thank you, thank you. And so they're chopping away that block of ice to get that credit card out. Okay, listen to me. If there's any human way possible to get a hold of that credit card in the moment when you feel greedy, you're going to get it. Unless it's cut up, then it's hopeless. Listen to me. God has called us to live by faith. And you're going to take that step of faith, and you're going to do the plastic surgery, and watch what a difference it makes. The second thing you need to do is that you need to set a goal. And so I'm saying for 2013, we're going to set a goal of getting out of debt. You need, to, you need to go hard after that. You and your wife or you and your husband, you need to sit down together and you need to make a plan to say, we need to get out of debt. And if you don't know how to get out of debt, then you need to call me so that I can help you get in touch with somebody who will help you come up with a plan to get out of debt. And if you can get out of debt, then you're going you're gonna to have the opportunity to start being like God by giving and sharing and experiencing the absolute rush that you get when you give. The third thing you need to do is you need to accumulate an emergency fund of at least $1,000. Why do you think that is? So that you're not tempted to go into debt again. Isn't that what we do? Now, here's the thing. If you put aside $1,000 cash as opposed to just using your credit card and spending $1,000, I'll tell you this. It's far harder to spend $1,000 of your cash than it is to spend $1,000 in credit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. In fact, I've heard one... one financial expert say, put $100 of cash in your pocket and make a decision not to use a debit card and not to use a credit card, but to use cash. And I'm going to tell you this, it's going to be far harder to spend that cash than it is to use a piece of plastic, the debit or the credit. You say, I can't live without a credit card. Gloria and I were missionaries in Greece. We traveled around the world without using a credit card, all with cash. You don't really need the plastic. And I can tell you this, if you're in the habit of spending lots of money with a debit card, I would say cut that up as well. You see, this was 2012, we can't live like that. Oh, yes, you can. You see, Dave Ramsey speaks from experience. He's another honest pastor. This is what he says. He said he, he went into sales, and one of the things that the great success gurus tell you is that if you want to be successful, you have to... Looks successful, right? He said, so he went out and he bought the most expensive Italian suits. He bought a Rolex watch, diamonds on his fingers, a Mercedes-Benz for him, a BMW for his wife, a million-dollar home. He said he looked like a millionaire, and he wasn't. And the problem is, now he had a millionaire's debt load. And it wasn't long before his wife and he were at each other's throats. And they almost divorced. And God got a hold of Dave Ramsey's heart. And God said to Dave, get out of debt and do it now. And he said, God, I don't make enough money. This dress for success it doesn't seem to be working. I look like I'm successful, but the money just simply isn't coming in. And you know what God told him to do? God told him to sell his house, sell his vehicles, sell his watch... He says, God, I can't sell the Rolex. i only get about 25% of what it's worth. God says, that'll teach you a lesson, not to spend money you don't have. So he sold his Rolex watch. He got maybe, I think he got 15 or 20% of what it was worth. Anybody know what a Rolex watch is worth? Like 10 grand or more? You'll never see this pastor with a Rolex. You might find one with a cheap one, a knockoff from the Philippines. <laughs> Boyette bought me a pair of Oakley sunglasses. (laughs) Remember that, Boyette? In the Philippines. I can't, I can't take Oakley. They're only 10 bucks, (laughs) Pastor. Listen, Dave Ramsey sold his house, got rid of his cars, bought a secondhand vehicle. I think it was a Ford. I have a secondhand Ford. 200,000 kilometers on it. It still runs perfectly. doesn't owe me anything. It's got a nice roof rack. Adam calls it the Banffmobile. It's fantastic. And you know what? I don't owe a nickel on it. And it feels so good to drive that thing. But I get, I get notices from Ford all the time. Mr. Duncaff. you get these too, don't you? Mr. Duncaf. you are one of our select and favorite clients. And you are invited to an exclusive cheese and wine party at the dealership. You must RSVP. And don't tell anybody about this because you're gonna get employee pricing. It's just because you're such an excellent customer. Now I'm gonna tell you something. Do you think they know me by name? Do you think they care about my wife and my kids? Do you think that they care about my life? I'll tell you what they care about. I want to get his money. Somebody at corporate headquarters is saying, we got to get his money. Let's make him feel special. Let's make him feel like he's, a, he's, above the, he's, a, he's an elite class. He's above the rest. Listen, people, let's get a brain. Surely we're not that stupid, are we? Costco. If you're a Costco member. You get a thousand dollars more off the price. Why don't you just give me the car at the price, the lowest price that you can can do it at? Do you know why? Because, because, the marketers know that the way that they're going to sell their product is by making you think you're getting a deal. And if you're getting a deal, then you're going to spend your money. So, it's, someone said to me this morning. You know, we went to the store and it was, it was uh, everything was fifty percent off. This husband and wife. And so um, he says, uh, so I said to my wife, it's 50% off. We can buy twice as much now. (laughs) I know a lady that because stuff went on sale, just because it went on sale, she said, I better buy it. And has anybody ever seen Hoarders? Yeah, so that was her house full of brand new stuff. Full of baby clothes. I said, do you have any babies? Well, it could happen. You never know. It's a house full of baby clothes. I mean, do you really need 300 cans of tuna at a buck a can? And the house is full of junk like that. Listen to me. If you are living a life of greed or living a life where you don't trust God, then you've got to take matters into your own hands. You've got to start spending stupid and doing stupid things. Dave Ramsey sold it all, got out of debt, and now today is a millionaire and doesn't owe anyone one nickel. Doesn't owe anybody anything. And during the, the, the recent downturn in the economy in the United States, he was one of the few companies in the whole United States that didn't owe any money any, to anyone. I'm going to tell you, it revolutionizes your life. Your standard of living will rise. You'll be able to go on vacation. You'll be able to do things that you weren't able to do before because you're so heavily in debt. So, Dave Ramsey, fourth step. Sell your stuff. Stop being greedy and pay off your debt quick. Step number five. He says, begin by paying off the smallest debt first. Now, the myth is I should pay off the debt with the highest interest rate, right? But he says the best thing you need to do is you need to pay off the smallest debt fast, and here's why. Because when you pay off that small debt, then the money that you're paying on a monthly basis to that debt now can go go towards the next biggest debt, So you're starting knocking off the debt, and here's what happened. You increase your cash flow. When you increase your cash flow, you're able then to pay off more debt, and you're able to pay it off quicker. So here's what you need to do if you're in debt right now. Look at your smallest debt and get that paid off first, and then work your way up. It doesn't matter if it's got a high interest rate or a low interest rate. Just get rid of the the smallest debt first, and then go on to the next debt. The sixth step, and this is the one now I'm going to pause and I gotta just—I gotta set you up for this because I don't want anybody to think, "Ah, oh, I knew it was coming." And maybe the smart ones have got that already got that figured out. And this is what this is what Dave Ramsey's saying. It's not what Alan Duncav says, although I'm 100% in favor of it. He says, "As a step of faith in God." Remember, listen. The first five steps are for those who don't necessarily know God or don't really necessarily want to follow God or don't want to obey God. They don't really care about God's rules. But for those of us who who believe in the power of God and God's desire to work supernaturally in our lives, this step is for you. He says, as a step of faith in God, he says, start tithing and start giving. He says, I know some of you are going to think, well, I'm in debt. Maybe I should wait till I'm out of debt and then start tithing. Dave Ramsey says, there's nothing in the scripture that says anything about putting a pause on giving. He says, here's why you need to keep giving even when you're in debt. Because when you start to give, it's, it's then that you get your priorities straight and you start actually, listen to this, you start thinking about how you spend every dollar. Because you cannot give... Faithfully, generously, without thinking about what you're doing. So Dave Ramsey says it will keep God first in your life. And listen to this, and this is this is fantastic. This is this is this is the best news I have for you today when talking about debt. It puts you in a position where you trust God 100 percent with your life. I'm going to tell you, it's, that's not easy to do. You can't do that unless you've taken that step of faith where you put your faith in God and you said, God, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you and I, I believe, God, you're going to meet my needs. It's like, i got good news for you. Glory and I have been living this way for many years, trying to give, trying to be generous, trying to make sure that we go above and beyond the call of duty. Listen to this. God has taken care of us. He's met our every need. Everything we have, we give to God. Our house, our van, even our kids. We've taught them how to serve God and how to be, how to be used by God, and how to be in a position where they're serving God. When we left the church last night, it was just the, the few people who were left in the building was our family and a few others and the Thunders. We're the last ones out of here, cleaning up, putting everything away. And I said, God, thank you that my kids have learned what it means to give not just of their money, but how to give of their time and their energy and their strength. When you give, you're saying, God, I'm giving you the opportunity, God, to provide for me supernaturally. Will God do that? Oh, yeah. Want to hear what the Bible says? Listen to this. This is one of the most exciting passages in the Scripture. Malachi chapter 3 Don, er, Don, sorry, Dennis is nodding at me. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 11. Listen to this. This is, so, this is so cool. Listen to this. This is a biblical principle. God asks this question to all of us. He says, should people cheat God? That you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? God says, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Your whole family has been cheating me. Your whole church has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. This is the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies... I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, God says. Put me to the test, God says. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. I'm gonna ask you a question this morning. How many would like God to open the floodgates of heaven on your life? I know I do. There's four of us. There's six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Listen to me, listen. I'm not telling you a probability here. This is I'm not saying, well, this will probably happen for you. I'm guaranteeing it. And I will give you, I will offer this morning the only church in Winnipeg offering a money-back guarantee. If you, if you will try, try this, put God to the test. That's what it says here. The Bible says this. If you will try this and put God to the test, I'm going to guarantee you that God will begin to meet your needs in miraculous ways. It's not going to be money falling out of the sky when you leave the building. I'm not saying that. But you will find God's provision in miraculous ways. How many believe that God's still in the business of doing miracles? I know it because I see it all the time. Don Davidson was telling me after the, after the play last night about his, I think it was his brother-in-law. Listen to this. They went over to Cuba to hand out the shoe boxes, which we're going to do in Costa Rica. And by the way, thank you for the thousands of dollars that came in over the last two nights to go towards that trip. Hallelujah. So he says, this team went over to Cuba, and they had 300 boxes. By the way, it's interesting that our church... Was able to gather three hundred boxes, but he says they went over to hand out three hundred boxes to these kids, and five hundred kids showed up. And the team said, "Well, what should we do?" And the team said, "Well, I guess we just have to hand out the three hundred boxes, and uh, that's whenever when they're done, they're done. Maybe the kids will share them." So they started handing the boxes out, and for some reason they stopped taking, stopped counting. And before long all the boxes were handed out and guess what every kid had a box you say that's impossible well if you read the New Testament you'll see that God did that sort of thing all the time did anybody hear about the the few loaves and the few fish that fed how many people 5,000 plus women and children listen to me This sounds fantastic. It's impossible to believe. But of course it's impossible to believe if you haven't learned how to trust God. Those of us who have learned to trust God have experienced those kinds of miracles in our lives all the time. Right, Dennis? You want to know that kind of supernatural work in your life? Then God says, put me to the test. God's saying that to you today. Put me to the test. Try it and see if I don't keep my promise. Try it out. And watch the floodgates of heaven open. Here's what I know today. The next verse. Matthew 6, 33. Read it with me. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. This is my life first. I learned this as a teenager, and I've been living by this. tried to live by this with all my heart. And I can tell you this, as I put God first in every area of my life and tried to do everything that God tells me to do, God has met my every need. And he's made a promise to do that for everyone here today. Someone once said, we make a living by what we get. But we make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And some of you have not yet experienced the incredible joy of giving. God doesn't need your money. I don't need your money. But you need to give for the sake of your own soul. And watch what God will do in your life. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what we do know this morning is that giving liberates the soul of the giver. It sets us free. It gives us new joy. Some of us right now are concerned about the debt that we have. We're concerned about our bills. And God, this morning, you're asking us to trust you and to take a step of faith and do something out of the ordinary for us. You're calling us to trust you and to take that step of faith, to believe that you will supernaturally meet our needs and care for us and order our lives in such a way that no longer do we live a life worrying about our needs, but we start living a life full of joy and generosity and sharing and giving. Some of us have lost our relationship with you, God, because we've been so greedy and we have, we have not been trusting you. Some of us have lost friends because we've become greedy and we don't care about... Others, we only care about ourselves. Some of us have gone into terrible debt because we've become so self-centered. God, today we pray that you would give us the grace and the wisdom to become people who really enjoy the abundant life, not just the material wealth, but with that inner wealth, that inner riches of satisfaction and contentment. And now, God, we pray, go with us as we go from this place. May we take time to give and to share And to help those around us. Because God, you have promised to give us and to meet our needs. And to open the floodgates of heaven to all who will be generous. And so we go from this place with your blessing. And we thank you for it. And everyone said it? So tell someone around you, go be a giver.